Amen. Yeah. Amen. Woo. Praise the Lord. God's good, isn't he? So blessed. It's so great to be with you. Man, when you came in, you probably sat on one of these. If not, you should look for one. This coming Good Friday, we have communion service here at 630. And uh, if you would take one of these, I'm challenging everyone to invite at least one person to be with you this coming weekend in the house of God. There's nothing more important than what God has done for us this next Sunday. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven, open access to God, the freedom that we have in Christ, no matter what's going on in the world around us. There is no more important day in the history of the world than next Sunday. I mean that, man, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, we should be here every Sunday, but I'm talking about next Sunday specifically as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so good. Opportunity to share. We should always be doing that. And in the seat in front of you, you probably saw one of these. QR code, right? You saw that? Stuck on the chair in front of you. It should stay there. All you do is open your smartphone with your uh, camera, and they just put it over that, and they'll open the app because, see, we're, we're trying to do everything we can to communicate with you without me standing here to do commercials because I don't like doing that. I actually, I don't like doing it. And you should have that. If you don't, just do it. I will ask you to do it right now if you don't have the app. And if you have the app, then you should have known that the tables around here were for a ministry opportunity, small groups that are new, things that are happening in the church to introduce you to what's coming. We have a couple brand new classes starting. We have some other stuff available, places for you to serve. That's what that's all about. And so a lot of people last Sunday when we did it said they didn't even know it was happening, it wasn't what it was about. And I'm like, well, here you go. So... Thank you, Jesus. We now have the answer in front of you. If you want to know what's going on, it's right there. I should never hear anyone say, I didn't know that was happening ever again. Because when you have that, see it, and you leave notifications, it'll ask you if you know, they allow you to know where you're at. You don't have to do that. I don't care. I'm not following where you're at. And, uh, but it'll ask if you want notifications. Say yes, and then pay attention to them. It sends you a push. We push things out there telling you, like, in two weeks, we have Baptism Sunday, right? The week after we celebrate the resurrection, we're doing a baptism. You should know that already, and you should know that right there on the app, all you have to do is just slide down in there, and it says sign up to be baptized. Pretty simple. All good. We got you covered. Just letting you know. Make it happen. Let's do that, okay? Now, uh, it's been more than a year ago. It's probably been a year and a half ago. I stopped asking accountability questions of y'all out loud here at the beginning of my message. For nine years, I asked questions before I preached the message. Those questions were given to me by God as a challenge to us as we grow in our faith. So the questions that I asked were specific biblical questions about us and our walk with Jesus. And if we're a Christian, we should be doing these things as we grow in our faith more like Christ. So we're not asking you questions because we're trying to get you to be religious these questions that we ask were to help you to become more like Christ in your relationship with God the Father. And so when I ask these questions again today, I'm asking you to answer them out loud if this is new to you. We were doing this for nine years before you got here, and it's starting today. Last week, did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days of the week, reading or listening to God's Word? If you did that, say yes. Okay? Okay. Did you spend time alone with God this week with no agenda? What I mean by that is 
You know, we're called by God to pray. We're called by God to bring him our needs. We're supposed to pray about the situations of our life. No doubt about that. However, we're also called to be alone with God, to get to know God, and to be vulnerable with him. And so instead of just always coming to him because he's God asking him to fix all of our problems, we need to come to God to build a relationship with him. If all I did is told Kim when I got home, all right, sit down, listen to me. I got to tell you all the problems of my life. Kim's my wife, if you don't know that. And I tell her, like, just sit there. Don't say anything to me. I got a lot to tell you. And now when I tell you all my problems, now I'm going to tell you how you can fix them. And now I'm done talking, so now start working, and I'm out. Do you think that would fly very well? You're obviously not married if you didn't say it wouldn't, right? No, that would not work. So we often treat God that same way. We tell him everything he should be doing for us, how to do it, what to do, and when to make that happen. And then we say amen and we walk away. So the question I'm asking is, have you spent time alone with God with no agenda? That means me not asking. Did you do that? So here, the thing is, is like, you know, oftentimes what I found for myself when I get in those situations where I place myself to be alone with God is I began to thank him for who he is and all that he's done. And I'm like, God, I just want to be with you. You're amazing and I love you. And I find myself drifting towards, and God, you know, there's this need. And I, I, have to, I catch myself always leading towards asking instead of just being. And so I want to encourage you to be with God. Be with him. Now, the next question that I ask is, do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? I wanted a response from you on that one. I didn't, I didn't set you up well. I apologize. Not that you have to get loud. I'm just asking honestly. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? So the, the response to that then is, are you doing it? Yeah, that got quiet fast, didn't it? All right. Okay. So I'm glad you're being honest. Let's be honest always because the Lord knows anyway. So now we got to start doing it. So here you go. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? So the way God has asked for those, I'm asking you, are you doing it in all three areas? You can't like overdo one and not the other. This is called being a steward of the life God's given you in every aspect of your life. So are you doing that? If so, play, say yes. It seemed over the nine years that knowing what the Holy Spirit's saying and doing it and giving of your time, talents, and resources always drift off. Okay, so this is what we've been talking about from the Word of God. We're talking about maturing in our faith and becoming more like Christ. So as we mature, we're no longer little children where we think the world revolves around us and everything is for me. And if it's not for me, that I want it and you should give it to me. As we mature, we start to see that it's not about me and that I'm here to do something for him. So that's what we're talking about right there. If you truly believe that God is who he is and what he says, then our time, talents, and resources all belong to him. And so now we just give him what he's asking. And there again requires us to know what the Holy Spirit's saying. And so it's that obedience to what the Spirit is leading us into. Did you share Jesus with someone this past week? Okay. Did you invite someone to church with you this week? Yeah. All right. So a couple things. We have given you the big card to ask someone. We also always have these little cards. Come join us. It opens the opportunity for you to be able to share Jesus with people, right? So if you would, 
Make sure you take advantage of that and let's do what God's actually asked us to do. He didn't just ask us to come and meet together on Sunday. He asked us to do that, but then he wants us to take what we've learned on Sunday and go out and live that, right? We all in agreement with that? There's coffee right over there, okay? <laughs> okay, so let's, uh, let's step into what God has for us today. We celebrate Palm Sunday today, the triumphant entry of Christ. This day in history, Jesus was rightly proclaimed for who he was. It is the only time on planet Earth to the current moment where he was declared for who he was. Pretty amazing when you think about it. So now as we celebrate that, let's step into something that God wants to speak to us about this very moment. From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry life, which started right after his baptism, which is found in Matthew chapter 3 at the end there, and then stepping into the ministry life where God has asked him to step into this arena where he is fulfilling the planned purpose of redemption by God the Father. From that moment, huge crowds begin to follow Jesus. We know this throughout the Gospels. Now, when we talk about, you know, large crowds, we have a number in our mind, but there's thousands of people. And remember, this is not a day when they had social media, any of that kind of communication or anything. But what we find in the Gospels is word spreads about this Jesus, and it goes everywhere, and people are coming from all over the place to have a personal moment with Jesus. It's happening all over. So now we know that people are coming to follow him. The word is spreading. Matthew 4, 23 through 25. In the Gospel of Matthew, we're given this glimpse of an oversight of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Church, we're pausing there. We're going to keep on reading. But listen, do you see what the purpose of Jesus was in his ministry life? To announce the good news about the kingdom. All right, so it's about the fact that God has a plan of redemption for lost humanity. That is the good news of the kingdom, right? That there is salvation through Christ, forgiveness of sins. There is an opportunity for you and I to enter into the relationship that we are created for in the very beginning. So Jesus is saying he's coming here to pronounce and announce that good news. That's the whole thing right there, church. Now listen to what happens after that as we step into the next verse. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So the healing that Jesus did was secondary to the announcement of the good news of the kingdom. Right? He didn't come to heal all kinds of diseases. He came to announce the good news of the kingdom. And as a secondary work, he did healings. We keep reading now in the scripture, news about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. It's an interesting response right there, isn't it? Did you hear what we just read in the scriptures? That the word that he was proclaiming about the good news of the kingdom, and he healed, secondary. People are hearing about him, and they're coming for the secondary and not the primary. Let that sink in, man. This is what was happening. See, the, the people were coming for their needs to be fixed by him. They weren't coming to hear what he was all about. 
They weren't here to hear the good, good kingdom message. They were not about the good news. They were all about help me, fix me, make my life better. Let's look, look what the word says now. News about him spread as far away as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick, and whatever their sickness or disease, or they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. So in this snapshot, what we are given is the ministry of Jesus Christ in this look. We're just stepping back to give a broad view of where the gospel continues then after that, those verses in chapter 4. And it begins to show us in detail all those things that are mentioned right here. So what we're looking at in the scriptures now is we see that these people were there to receive healing, deliverance, we know reading through the Gospels that they were there for free food. They were there for political freedom. They were there because they wanted their political oppressors to be removed so that they could experience free living. Church, as we consider that thought and what they're looking for, I hear a lot of the same kind of... Um, Messages coming from the Christian community today. We're all about Jesus fixing things and make it better for us. We want him to heal all of our diseases. We want everything in our life to get smoothed out. We want an easy path. We want all those that we perceive as oppressive in government to be removed. And we want to experience freedom. And many people are gathering together for prayer for that very reason. And Jesus is like, hello. This is about the kingdom of God and the good news. This is about salvation that God has provided. And the very church is proclaiming other things, focusing on the secondary rather than on the primary. People are coming to churches all across the world for all the secondary stuff. <laughs> and we've lost the message of the kingdom. And John 6 what takes place here, and I'm talking about in the Gospel of John chapter 6, what takes place here is Jesus is doing a teaching, and again, there's thousands of people there, and he's speaking to all of them, and he's teaching them about the kingdom. And it gets to be lunchtime, and he tells uh, the disciples, like, hey, have everybody sit down, let's feed them lunch, and they're like, Jesus, we don't got nothing here to do this. And we don't even have the resources in the treasury. We don't have enough money to buy food for everybody, let alone get it out here. And he's like, what do you have? And they say, we only got this little brown sack lunch from this little boy right here. It's got two fish and five pieces of bread in it. Jesus says, good, set them down. All right, church, just <laughs> would you put yourself in that situation? Like, just think that through. Like, let's be there for this moment. Use your imagination. So Jesus tells you, go have everyone sit down and get ready for lunch. And you know you just gave him a sack lunch. Like he's got it right there. All right, you guys, sit down. We're about to have lunch. Jesus blesses it. They divide it. And they give it to everybody. And the Word of God tells us there were, over, there were 5,000 men. So that's not even counting women and children. So we're talking about thousands of people. And they all eat lunch until they're stuffed. 
And Jesus tells them, go pick up the leftovers, and they get 12 baskets of leftover stuff. I mean, God's amazing, isn't he? He's just like, look, I, I'm not just going to come back with a sack lunch when we're done. There's going to be 12 baskets full. And that's what he did. So everybody's sitting there in awe. Their stuff, they watch this happen, all right? You do know that, right? So everybody's watching as Jesus prays, blesses it, breaks it, and they start handing it out. And it just keeps multiplying. God's awesome. He's so good. Everyone eats. Everybody's full. Yeah, cool stuff. Now let's go on in uh, John down a little further in, the, in that chapter when he's talking about this. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. Hold on. Did you hear what they just said? The prophet we've been expecting. Not the prophet that we have been promised in God's word or through the prophets. This is the prophet we've been expecting. See, we're looking for something, and we're looking for what we want. And what they wanted is for all of their problems to be fixed. Here it is. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Isn't that crazy? See, we see it right here. It's in the proclamation of the crowds. What they were looking for is a ruler who would overthrow the Romans and give them everything they needed. So we look at their motivation and what they're looking for and what they're seeking, and it's very selfishly driven. It's about me. I'm looking for this, I want this, I need this. You can do all that. I choose you. <laughs> that was their declaration. Okay, so what happens here is Jesus slides out of there like, this is not why I'm here. Remember, he was here for the kingdom, the good news, the gospel, the fact that God has created a way for us to have a relationship with, again, personal. That was the kingdom message. They wanted an earthly king. They wanted freedom from the government. They wanted food fixed. They wanted all their healing of their sick, all the disease, everything taken care of. I mean, who doesn't want that life? All about self. So as we think about this then, what happens is Jesus is gone, so everybody's kind of stern, talking. There's little boats on the shore. They watch the disciples get in the boats. They take off because Jesus isn't with them. Now, we keep reading now. Listen. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore not where those guys went, saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. John 6, 22. So they saw the disciples get in the boat. They saw them leave. Jesus wasn't in the boat. They know he didn't go with them. Keep reading. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats, went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? So they knew something mystical, miraculous, something amazing happened. They said there was only one boat. The disciples got in there. You weren't in that boat. They left. You weren't there. And now you're here. How'd you get here? Right? So they're already thinking like something weird's going on. Something miraculous just took place. 
Now, what they don't know, but what we do, because God's word declares to us, is that while the, the disciples are in that boat, Jesus came walking on the water. This was that moment where he called Peter out, right? They don't know none of this, but we do. So now they all get in that boat when he gets out to them, and they're on the other side. These people show up and like, uh, you weren't in that boat, but you're here. So this was the first beam me up Scotty moment. Right? Where Jesus just like kind of shows up on the other side and they're trying to figure it out. It doesn't make sense to them. Check it out. What's going on here? When did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. But don't be concerned. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So you hear what's going on. Jesus is trying to take them from their selfish own perspective. From desiring the savor they want. And he's saying, look, you got to stop looking at the moment. Stop looking at your flesh. Stop look, living for this moment of your life and for everything that you think needs to get fixed and realize that there's something way more important that's going on. Way more important. It's about our eternal lives. It's about the creator of the universe desiring a relationship with us. Church, there's a lot of us in the church today that are putting the, the relationship with God on a secondary level because we're still looking for him to fix our problems and meet my needs, rather than understanding the most important thing in life is that relationship, not this other stuff. Now, they did follow him because of the miracle, but it was the miracle of what they wanted, not the miracle of what God offered. And so Jesus says this. He didn't even understand the sign that was given. See, when, when Jesus was doing things that were supernatural, it was to create in them an ear to hear that God was there, that there was a message. But people didn't hear the message. They wanted what he could do more than what he said. So when you think about it, when they were looking for their own needs to be met, um, Listen, church, I, I'm bringing this to the modern church, us, right here, those online, wherever you are. As we think about this, Jesus did die for us. He did. It was all about us. And once we see the purpose of that, death and resurrection, that forgiveness of my sins, is the gospel message about the kingdom. And what that is is the restoration of our relationship with God. Once we understand that and we grow in that, then we begin to understand that the kingdom must be first above all else. And where we're lacking in the modern church is the above all else. We want a God that comes alongside of us. We don't want a God that leads us. We want a God that fixes us. And makes life easier. <laughs> what he did for us is a miracle. I mean, what God has invited you and I into is such an incredible miracle. It goes 
It blows away the feeding of the 5,000. It blows away the healing of the lame or the blind seeing. It blows all that away. Church, you know you. What Jesus did for us is gives us an opportunity to not be us, but to be free and clean in Christ and have a right relationship with the Father. That is amazing. And we should be celebrating that all the time. But we're clouded in that worship of God for what he's done for us in the moment because we still need him to fix stuff. All right, let's go back into these scriptures and check it out because, just because, listen, this was their response to that. They replied, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? (laughs) All right. So they're like, we want to feed people. We want to heal people. We want to cast out demons. We want to have that authority. We want to do God's work. Show us what we need to do. You know what Jesus' reply is? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe on the one he has sent. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Man, it's so awesome, isn't it? He's like, look, get the perspective here. It's not about the supernatural miraculous. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the good news of the kingdom. Wow, crazy, isn't it? Salvation is the main thing. Church, it is the miracle of God. Receiving it for us and sharing it with others. That is the work God wants from us, right? I mean, it's right there. So you see, we're looking at the human desires again, the flesh, And the war that's happening here is self versus God. What I want versus what God's plan is, his purpose is, what he desires for us. So just truly believe. So we're going to look again at what we were just reading because there's something more to that that we need to look at. As we look at the heart of the crowd in this scripture here, they replied, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe on the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Like, I mean, church, remember how they got to this side of the lake? They came there knowing Jesus got there supernaturally. They came there because they had been fed supernaturally one day before. They're standing there in his presence, having heard all the stories about all he had done, had been a firsthand witness of it, had received it from him themselves, and now they're saying, like, well, then prove yourself. So here's the thing. As I look at this and we think how stupid these people are, and they are, I'm not denying that, okay? When we follow Jesus for selfish reasons, he has to perform for us over and over again. And oftentimes in the church, Jesus is only as good as the last thing he did for me. I'm talking about in the Christian church here. We're not talking about the world. Because you see, we start to doubt. We get angry at him. We get frustrated with what he hasn't done. We even stop praying and reading our Bible because he's not performing. I know this is true. I've talked to many Christians 
Let's say this right out of their own mouth. I'm mad at God because fill in the blank. And man, I look at this and it's like, what in the world? I mean, he has done everything for us already, right? Everything. He has opened the door to a relationship with the creator that we could never have any other way. And yet we're still asking and believing that he's got to do more for us than what he's already provided. So let's talk about that for just a moment. I'm convinced, church, I am. I, I want you to know that throughout my Christian life, I, was, I struggled with the lack of healing that I saw happening. I've seen it happen. I've been a part of those prayers where people are miraculously healed. But I want you to know it is a rare, rare thing. I've questioned my own faith. I've prayed. I've talked to God. I'm like, Lord, why is it that we're not seeing this happen more frequently? Why is it that we're not experiencing the supernatural in that context? Again, it happens, but it's not as common as what you read in the Gospels, right? And then what we see is that Jesus says that you're going to be able to do the things that I've done and then more. So in my own personal walk, I'm like, okay, God, like, am I like, lacking something here? I mean, I know what you've done for me. I know who you are. I believe what your word says. And then I go over here and pray, and I'm like, man, God, you know, I know you can do this. I'm talking about like if I pray over someone. But it's ha not happened so frequently that it comes to a place like I'm like, mm, okay, God, I trust you, but whatever your will is, let it be done, because then I have to step back and just say, well, it wasn't his will. But as I traveled down that road and I was seeking God and doing it, I've become very convinced that uh, the lack of healing today is because of our desire for him to perform for us and make our lives better and easier rather than something about the glory of God and for the kingdom. We say the right words. Don't misunderstand me. And I, I want you to hear me. We're not not supposed to pray and ask God for healing. We are. But it's secondary. It's not primary. And so I believe that what the problem really is, is that we begin to focus on the flesh again instead of the kingdom, instead of the gospel, instead of Jesus. And I know this is true because throughout my ministry life, when someone has traveled around our country, they do it. Um, and I, I want you to hear me with all my heart when I say this sincerely to you, that there are people that travel around as healers in the name of Jesus, right? Now, again, I'm not, I'm not judging any of them. They will answer to God. But I do know this, that a lot of Christian people run to those events to get healed without even knowing what the true message is behind that person about their life or what they stand for or believe. But because there's a reputation that they can heal people, we're going to go there because we want to be healed, and we'll just go and do whatever they say because we're looking for that fix. And so as I look at that, I'm like, okay, God, you know, first off, God's not about a show. Jesus never did it for a show. Never. He did it out of compassion and love and so that people would know who God is. 
As I look at this then and I'm saying, okay, God, here's the deal. We are coming to you so often and so frequently because we want you to fix stuff for us. It's not about others knowing the kingdom of God. We may say those words, but really it's my life easier. Now I want you to know, church, I want an easy life. Trust me. I want air conditioning and heat. I want smooth ride. I want a rapture to take place before the tribulation and before I get sick. (laughs) That's the life I want, all right? That is my flesh saying, God, this is the path I choose. However, church, in the midst of this right here, we're like, God, I'm all yours, whatever it is. I surrender all that to you and say, whatever you want, God, I'm all in. And if it means none of that, then so be it. So as we're looking at this challenge from God's word and sharing it with y'all here and everybody online, this I believe, I really do, that if right now the Holy Spirit prompted me to pray a prayer of healing and deliverance over anyone that can hear my words, and God said, I'm going to do it, and I told you that, And we did that prayer. And people were healed all over this church, all over online. Everyone that heard that message was healed. I know this, church. We would tell everyone. We would tell everyone what happened in church, how the Spirit of God moved, how God used Pastor Dave to pray a prayer of healing and deliverance, and God did it. And we would tell everyone that you need to come and see what happens for you because it could happen next Sunday. And we would tell everyone we knew. And yet, everybody that's received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior has received the greatest miracle in the history of the world. We have been made right with God. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. He has forgiven everything we ever willingly and unwillingly did. He has given us freedom and a promise of eternity that we don't have to fear death because he's conquered it. And you know, all these things that God has already given to you and I, and we're quiet about it, we don't tell those same people about what Jesus has done and what he wants to do for them. But if we were physically touched, we'd tell everyone. See, it's the same gospel story all over and over again, isn't it? I hope you hear me right, church. As I was writing this in my notes and I was praying, I'm like, God, help us to see what it is that you're saying to us about the miracle of the message of the kingdom. More than being about me. More than being about my needs and everything else that God can do for me. Okay. We have multiple accounts in Scripture and in life that God has done miraculous things, and yet people still don't believe, right? I mean, church, you probably know people that God has done something for that no longer follow him. Because, see, when we follow God because of our needs, he's only as good as that, and I will always have another need. And therefore, if he doesn't follow suit and heal this problem or fix this 
issue, then what good is he? So I'm asking a question again. This is not one of the accountability questions, but I do want an outside, out verbal answer to this. Has there been anything God has done in your life that there is no doubt God did it? Awesome. Yeah, man. Praise God for that, right? No doubt he did it for us. Who are you sharing that Jesus story with? How often do you talk about it? See, like your own salvation. I mean, you don't have to quote scripture. Actually, they don't want to hear scripture. They don't believe it in the first place or they'd already be serving God. Right? So you don't need to read a bunch of verses to people. What you need to do is tell them what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. And when you share that amazing story, and it's true, that's kingdom work. That is the good news. That's what God is asking us to do, church. It's what it's all about. All right. What are we waiting for? And why are we waiting in the first place? Man, all right. We got to get going here. Uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than yourselves? So church, let me share my more recent prayer for healing for people. I honestly pray this way now, like God, they need to know you. If they know you, I don't care if they live another day or not. It's the most important thing in their life. And God, if we need to go through things and suffer with sickness and disease to keep us dependent on you, there's nothing more important than that. Jesus said, poke your eye out, cut your hand off, whatever it takes, right? So it's like, Lord, I mean, healing's great, and I want that. Like I already said, I want it. But if that healing doesn't result in living for the kingdom, don't heal. God, no matter what, don't heal. That's not an easy prayer, just so you know. When you're praying over your grandchildren, your children, and you're like, hey, God, your kingdom matters more than anything else in life. See, I want them to have a better job. I want them to have more financial security. I want them to, all these things that the flesh wants, right? But, like, that is so secondary. I'm like, God, you know, no, I want them to know you. And so if they have to lose their job, lose their home, go through disease, go through sickness, then I'd rather have that any day if they make it to the heaven than to have any of that other stuff. And so church, when we're praying this and we're asking God about this, this is what, is what we're looking at. See, Jesus says, is anything worth more than your soul? When we begin to see our family, our, our friends, the people around us, that there's nothing more important than their soul, when we, when we grasp that, we're beginning to get the concept of the kingdom and the good news. <laughs> and we're not going to worry about what they think of us. Because you see, it's not about me. Now, when Jesus said, 
take up your cross and follow me, these people knew exactly what he meant because crucifixion was a Roman tortured death sentence. And it was something they commonly practiced in these days. It didn't just happen to Jesus. We know that in a biblical account because there was two others that were being crucified with him. They didn't realize this was for the payment of our sins and to defeat death. No, it was a normal part of life. And so these people, when Jesus said that, knew the routine before he ever walked that road. They had watched many people walk down their street with a cross to go out to be executed. So it was so real to them when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. You have to lose your life to find it. And you've got to be with me. Death to self. So they had watched many people go through that. And so Jesus is clearly teaching, you must first off be identified as one of my followers in the very streets that you live in. Taking up the cross, everybody stood on the sides and watched that person go knowing they were condemned for what they were carrying that cross for. See, everybody in your life should know you serve Jesus. Not because you say so, but because you live so. You can say so, but if you live so, people will know. And sometimes they'll get out of the street and let you walk by. You have to be known in the streets as someone that has laid down their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about him. It's not about me. And one of the obstacles, I, I believe this, one of the biggest obstacles we in the free world have to overcome is the struggle that we are constantly in an environment that teaches us to have a better life. And what a better life means is to have more, more, and better. <laughs> and so if we're not obtaining those things, see, we have begin to replicate that in the whole gospel message. And it's like, you know, it should be more and better and better. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, and I'm not contradicting what Eric said about the offering and all that stuff. That's not what we're talking about. What God is talking to us about is that life is about the kingdom of God, and when life is about the kingdom of God, he meets our needs. It's not the other way around. And he meets our needs according to his will, not according to mine and yours. And so when we follow his ways, he does what he says he will do. But when we start to demand him to do what he says he will do, and we're not following his ways, we're in a little bit of a sketchy place. And this death to self, which is living for Jesus, it is often a life that is ridiculed by the people that we love and live with, work with, and experience life with. And... Um, our desire to be accepted by people is one of the challenges that we face as Christians all the time. We want people, and we, I don't, we shouldn't not want them to like us, but you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes it can get us to compromise the kingdom message in our life. Sometimes we'll agree to do stuff that we would never agree to do if we were in a different setting or around a different group of people. Everything that we do and everything that we are is about the kingdom and the good news of the kingdom, period. So church, Jesus is the answer to the drug addict. Jesus is the answer to the alcoholic. We all know that, right? I better ask that again. You do know Jesus is the answer to the drug addict and the alcoholic, right? 
Do you also know that Jesus is the answer to the Democrat and the Republican? Do you know that Jesus is the answer to the heterosexual community? You don't even know what that is. That's a male and a female in marriage in a relationship. Do you know Jesus is the answer to that relationship? Do you know that he's the answer to the problems in the LBGTQ community? Do you know that Jesus is the answer to the racial issues of our culture and community? Do you know, church, that Jesus is the answer to those living in the mansions as well as those that are living in the streets? All right, church, it really matters who Jesus is then, doesn't it? Is he not the answer to every need that's out there? But we change it and we make it about this and that and this and that. And we draw our lines about everything else except the kingdom. It's all about the good news of Jesus Christ. Man, we look at the word of God, these challenges is like, look, we've got to understand that the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. It's not that I get this fixed or that fixed. Man, God's good. <laughs> so the surrendering to him, letting go of ourself in that surrender is exactly where your life will find its purpose and meaning. Nowhere else. <laughs> Here's your action steps. Let's not just be part of the crowd that follows Jesus for selfish reasons. Let's follow him because of who he is and what he's made available to us and to those we love. That is a right relationship with God. Church, I mean, that is it. We know it, right? I mean, we know that. Now let's live it. Let's share it. Let's be that good news in this world that is lost. It's what it's all about. So that is your action step. There is nothing else. Stand with me if you're able. The altar's open. Holy Spirit, you're faithful to do your work in us. Stir us, God, to see beyond the problem, the need that we have. (laughs) Sang an amazing song today, like whatever the need. (laughs) whatever the pain. God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to reach higher. I'm going to believe you more because of who you are. It's not about this current moment's need. It is about you and your kingdom. (laughs) Are you available, church? Are you available? He's calling. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) I want your noses. (laughs) It's been an incredibly important day in my life today. Pray that it is for you. There's nothing more important, church. Let's be his church, eh? Let's go out here and live this most incredible week in the history of the world, Holy Week, leading through this week. Oh my goodness. <laughs> live in it. Live in it. Let's go be his church, eh? Be, be respectful of these that are praying. 
God bless you and thank you so much for being here today. I truly love you. I do. Thank you, God. It's in your name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.